Hey now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Kids, so a little bit of setup on this episode. Uh, last Friday, when WWE looked to be going uh, Rock versus Roman for WrestleMania, I got a DM from Rob McCarron right after SmackDown ended, said, "Hey, I need to do a podcast now." So I recorded about thirty minutes worth of audio with him. Uh, after Rob, uh, you're going to hear the normal Shake Them Ropes, which is myself and Chris Novembrino, which was recorded a week after that. Um, a week and a day, actually, on, on Saturday, February 10th. So you're going to get both before and after. It's going to be interesting. But I uh, thought, you know, before and after, that you guys would be interested in that. So for now, enjoy Shake Them Ropes. Hey, kids, it's about seven minutes after SmackDown ended. Rob has been bar hopping yeah. since 4 p.m. his time. 4 p.m. Eastern Daylight. No, it's not even daylight anymore. It no. happens like a month from now. No, so Eddie's about to go out, but he's rallying, and he had something to say, so uh, emergency extra audio. I mean, the, unbelievable. The floor is yours, sir. The Just floor is for- just I for context, even... The Rock has returned and totally cucked the Cody. Rock is back. <laughs> well, here's the we all knew this was happening though, right? Like I I, I don't we well, thought we, all... it, we thought at the it rumble could. he was gonna it come could. out at 30 or 29. It could. I mean, so but I watched the segment unfold. So Cody, yes. yes, Cody Rhodes is telling Roman Reigns, right? Yeah, that he's coming for him. He's ret I don't even know where to start. Number one, he's retconned the story. What what does finishing the story mean? It doesn't mean him winning the title that Dusty never could. That's not what it means anymore. It means taking everything from Roman Reigns. That's what finishing the story means now. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> no, he wanted Dusty's title. So yeah. Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins on Raw, called made his title. Made a, apparently, title. Uh, he called he called because it, it's the Workers Man title. He defends it every week on Raw. He's defending it with a bum knee. I, That's that's the dusty title right now, Jeff. There's no, I don't know where to start. Okay, let me start with this. Let, let me start with this. Start, then. start, and then we're going to go into everything. We're going to go into everything. Because I said, because I said, the major weakness of the Cody promo on and and the Seth promo on Monday was that Seth was doing this. Oh, the uh, Roman plays office politics. It, it wasn't that Roman won't fight you like a man one on one, and he's going to have his cousin come in here and and hit you with the Samoan spike or yeah. or whatever. It it it, it was cheating, you know, cheating, yeah, a yeah. Lot of cheating going I on. Wa- which, yeah, Seth says I won't cheat or whatever. You know, it's cheating, like, 
Yes. No, there's a lot. There's a lot of cheating going on. Everyone seems to forget that. Oh, Roman Reigns has the super long. Yeah, and then they go, oh, "Oh, he's such a great champion. It's like, no, he's not. What are we talking about here? Cody Rhodes' first mistake. Well, I mean, is he a great champion? Yeah, I would. I would actually give him the great champion thing. But he's smarter than stupid baby faces. Congratulations. Yeah. I mean, hey, Randy Orton, (laughs) Randy, Randy, like you probably still got Ted Junior's number. I mean, he might be in jail right now. I'm not 100 percent sure. But you still got people's number. Like, you got Matt Riddle's number. Like, bring all these guys. I Listen, bring them all in. Let them. You got, uh, who was the Samoan that doesn't exist anymore? Oh, um, the, he played the uh, Snooka. So, exactly. Yeah. No, not even that one. Not even that. Do you remember when Legacy was going on, right? Yeah. And they brought in the Samoan for a week? Yeah, wasn't that the, like, um... Wasn't, wasn't he? Wasn't wasn't he a snooker? Wasn't he the no, cameraman? Gotta, he was the some, cameraman for the for the Undertaker, uh, Shawn no, Michaels thing. He took that. That was Deuce. That was Deuce. I'm not talking okay. about Deuce. Okay. And and now I have to figure this out. No, Listen, hold on. I'll I'm, I'll get it. Well, I'm okay. going on a rant. I need you to search for this for me. Okay, okay? I'll do it. I need I'm, you to I'm search in. for this. I'm for doing me. it. I'm doing it. Go ahead. The problem started when yes, yeah, Seth Rollins made a convincing argument. Like you don't want to go for Roman, right? You don't want to go for the cheater. You don't want to go for the guy who only defends his title every quarter. You want to go for the working man's title that we've put on the map for the last year. Like Seth Rollins made a convincing argument. Obviously it worked. The problem here is Cody didn't use Seth Rollins announcement or Seth Rollins. He said, I consulted with the rock and the rock (laughs) told me I should go fight Seth Rollins right now. Oh, (laughs) by the way, the rock chimes on in and says, yeah, go. You, you should you should go fight Seth Rollins and uh, oh God who's gonna fight Roman I guess I'll do it oh yeah. you know I what suppose I'll do it you know you, what if you don't want to that 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 girl's friend really really likes you you should go off with her for a while <laughs> see, you see that bigger girl over there you know what she's she's really the one you want okay I have she's your really answer for you, you. there was Manu. Part of that, but Sim Snooker was also part of Legacy no. for a while. So no, yeah. shut your mouth, okay. shut your whore mouth, will ya? Like Rickens, who do we say? Manu. Manu. Manu was the guy I'm talking about. Okay, okay. yes, Manu. Manu is the guy I'm talking. Bring right. Manu back. Hell, bring Sim Snooker back. Why don't bring but, Domino back? But you've 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 hit it exactly. Bring Cherry back. <laughs> oh god you've hit it exactly right they retconned all these stories to make it fit what the story they want to tell now finish it's- the story and and uh, this so anyone you're gonna hear brian alvarez you're probably gonna hear sean i love sean rossap you're probably gonna hear a report from sean you're probably gonna hear all the report from all these guys that hey hey cm punk got hurt and they had to rush the rock into mania the rock <laughs> was always coming to mania Rock was always coming to Mania. So I'm. So what the hell was CM Punk going to do? If the Rock was, the, the Rock is not a situation where you rush him in. He's no. always working Mania. Was Cody the odd man out? Was Cody not actually going to get a championship match at WrestleMania because CM Punk was not? And if he was, it was Seth. Then Cody Rhodes was out. Hmm. Cody Rhodes. Was, you can't have CM Punk, Cody Rhodes, and the Rock all three going for title matches at WrestleMania. Well, one was one. One was going to get uh, Drew. I'm sure one was going to, that's what I'm saying. Drew wasn't a champion. No, 
So one was going to be outside, and that was probably going to be Punk. Let's be real. It was probably going to be Punk. Yeah. He was out. So this whole, I'm missing WrestleMania, I'm missing the main event of WrestleMania. No, there, no I'm thinking one of these is going to be a three-way, though. I, I still think it's going to be probably Cody Rock. You could have a four-way with Seth. And be, let's we talked about this uh, last week on the episode, on the 1,000th episode in a row that we've done together. Yes. We talked about this. Is Drew was the rightful person in that match because Drew is on fire. Mm-hmm. Brian, Brian Danielson won the main event in WrestleMania 30. You want to know why? Because he was on fire. He was the top guy. CM Punk got kicked out. Drew McIntyre is that right now as a heel, which is unbelievable. Drew McIntyre is the guy. I was hoping he was going to get a singles match. Somehow like beat Seth Rollins at the elimination chamber. I was hoping because imagine Drew and Cody right now. If you're going to do a singles match outside of Drew and Seth, the only one that right now would draw of the people that are available like as much as I love Gunther, like Drew and Cody would have been on fire in two months. We have more than two months to go to WrestleMania. Drew and Cody could have been on fire. So yeah, they, it could have been a multi-man match, which is probably, I, I don't think that's what was going to happen, but it could have been. Cody was going to be the odd man out or CM Punk was going to be the odd man out. You can decide on who that was going to be. All I'm saying is next week, we're going to hear reports of, Oh, CM Punk changed what was planned and they brought the rock in early. They were Fuck really no. worried about their two-day sellout you, in Philadelphia. What are you talking about? Now, this is a straw man argument, obviously, because it hasn't happened and it may not happen. No. I'm just saying. No. I'm expecting, I'm expecting, you know, and all the credit to the people. They obviously know things, right? They obviously know things. But this is going to be one of those silly ones where it's like CM Punk's injury changed everything. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't change. And there, there will also be like, there'll be like uh, documentaries on the WWE, whatever the network is on Netflix or whatever, when they, when they finally port all that over from Peacock or whatever, and it'll be on Peacock. It's like, yeah, you know, CM Punk put us in a really tough position and we thought, you know, the fans deserved something big and, and memorable. And so, well, yeah, <laughs> you want to know why CM Punk was okay with waiting until next year for WrestleMania? Dwayne. Because he was already waiting for next year for <laughs> WrestleMania. Like he knew coming in. Okay, CM Punk, you know what? We're going to come in. We're going to bring you in, but not right away. I mean, not right away, main eventing WrestleMania. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it was going to happen. But next year, great. And you know what? Next year it is. Next year. This, this year is the Cody Rhodes show. It's the Rock and Roman show. Next year, we're not going to have the Rock. Cody Rhodes or Seth, one of them will be hurt. You can fit right in there. Who knows? And they're about to kind of do this, not not exactly the same thing, but similar thing with, with the women's Rumble winner with Bailey, because it's Bailey and EO, but everybody's just going to be waiting for the build for Becky and Rhea to come in uh, and do it. See, I don't think so. Like, I, I think the Becky Lynch show is kind of kind of over, to be honest. I think I think the era of Becky Lynch being like that top dog is just over. Like she's you, super, I mean, she's high card, but she's not the Roman reigns of the women's division. You watch, you watch it's going to happen. I mean, if you're forcing me to watch, uh, I just want to say, all right, of the four of who is available, who is available without bringing Bill Goldberg in, because thank God they're not doing that. Right. right? Uh, of who is available, the top four matches as they seem to be right now are the best top four, right? Cody and Seth rock and Roman. EO and Bailey, and then Rhea and Nia Jax. Like that is the top four. <laughs> Do you not believe Nia Jax is getting the Rhea match? I think I think she's getting Elimination Chamber. I don't okay. think she's getting Mania. 
Okay, that might be that actually might be true. And then the mania match would be what Becky and Becky and Rhea. Becky and Rhea. Uh, and if that happens, that's still of what's available. That's still super good. Yeah, that's still super good. Because I, I mean, personally, I would like if they do Jade Cargill and Bianca at WrestleMania. Like that's super good. If they do Jade yeah. and Nia, and then maybe Bianca and someone else, like that would be cool. You probably um, get a multi tag match with the Kabuki Warriors in some way. Can you imagine though? Like, I'm just thinking about this right now. And I'm not like, I'm not so in tuned anymore to like the, uh, all the news organizations and knowing like it used to be in November, Dave Meltzer would tell you that, Hey, Bray Wyatt's going to wrestle the undertaker. Bray Wyatt's going to wrestle John Cena. And you're like, how, how the F do they get there? And then that happens. I'm not in tuned with what's supposed to happen. Kabuki warriors versus Bianca and Jade Cargill. Oh, that'd be something. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I'm imagining it right now and I can't really talk because I'm imagining it so hard right now. <laughs> like I'm excited for that one. There's a lot of good stuff that's going to happen on these two nights. I, I mean, it's one of those where I'm like, I, I really wish this was one night. Like it, two nights is great. They're giving us more. It's awesome. I really wish it was one night because that card would just be so stacked to be on belief. Like, unreal. I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I think actually the, the one thing that's going to hurt them is I think it's going to be cold in Philly in April. And, well, yeah. and and outside in the stadium. I mean, we went but to they did it in New York. They did it in New York in late March. Yeah. So and it rained. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's fine. I mean, it doesn't rain on the performers. Like, who cares? I mean, this is a television no, no, product. You're right. you're right. After you after you look at the Netflix deals and after you look at uh the USA and Fox deals and all these things, like it's a television product. If fifty thousand people are inconvenienced, so be it, because two million people are gonna be watching the show every week, and that's where we get our money. Like, who cares? Uh, and people are still going to go to WrestleMania. And if they watch Cody Rhodes defeat Seth Rollins for the title, yeah, people are going to go ape. But Roman Reigns is going to beat The Rock, right? Like, a Rock ain't winning that title. And then we do another year of this crap. Because what sense would it make to The Rock? You're like, Roman Reigns, you end three years of being champion to The Rock, who's not going to be there every month. And yeah, you could say, oh, well, it's the same. Roman's not there every month. I thought of just the worst thing they could do is they, they have Cody beat like priest at Elimination Chamber to get the briefcase. And Cody comes running down <laughs> with the money well, in the bank I, briefcase. Were, I mean, there were people, not to be straw man all night long, but there were people talking about how Dam- like Cody could finish the story against Roman. Damien cashes in that night. And, and yeah, then pins Cody and that's it. Cody finishes the story, but Damien <laughs> walks out. Damien Priest isn't quite there like Seth Rollins was. Like, no. I love Damien Priest. Yeah. I didn't I didn't think Punishment Martinez was going to do anything in WWE, and Damien Priest has exceeded He's all expectations. He's outkicked his coverage. Out, absolutely. It's, it's unbelievable. So whatever they do there, I'm not trying to fantasy book. I'm not trying to tell WWE what they should do, but what they've done in a lot of ways was hilarious. I mean, Cody, <laughs> Cody saying I took counsel from the rock and he said, I should go after this other title. And by the way, who's going after the title instead, the rock and, and falling for the Seth Rollins argument, like, Hey, this thing you've been looking for, for your entire life, literally your entire life, trying to, trying to do the thing that your dad couldn't and proving that you could, <laughs> you decided, you know what? Nah. I still want to do that. I still want to do it, but does it, does it have to happen at WrestleMania? Like I could finish my story at a fucking fucking Madison square garden on a Friday night. You know, like, Dusty didn't want to do it. didn't want to win the title at Starcade. He wanted to win the title at the bunkhouse stampede. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if the story, I mean, let's not, 
let's not retcon it ourselves. They've done plenty of this already. Yeah. The story was Cody wanted to win that title. It did yeah. not have to be at WrestleMania. The timing just worked that he got the match at WrestleMania because he won the Royal Rumble. He wins the Royal Rumble again. You know what? I'm going to beat Seth Rollins. Okay. And he should. I mean, Seth Rollins can't win that match. If Seth Rollins wins the match, then you might as well fire Cody. Like, what I'm, the hell are you doing? I'm sorry, but the whole story now, it was once Roman beat him, he's on the journey now to get back at the guy who beat him for the thing that his dad wanted most. It's not oh, yeah. that hard to tell. And yet here we are. No, I get it. I get it. But if you're Cody and you've lived this life for the last year, right? It's like Seth Rollins has beaten everybody for this title. Literally, he's beaten Drew Galloway. He's beaten, uh, is that it? Is that kind of it? That's kind of it. I mean, that's kind of it. Like, we can talk about Seth Rollins defending this title every week. The MacGuffin like, title or whatever the hell we want to call it. Drew is kind of it. Like, Damian Priest, I think he had a match with Damian Priest, maybe? Probably not, because Damian Priest has a brief. I'm trying, I'm literally trying to think of, like, who he defended I think he. Against. I think he defended it against Damian Priest at one point, and then, yeah. and then he didn't cash in. At, he still had the briefcase, so he could have hypothetically cashed in after that for a rematch right there. And he didn't. It's, it's just, it was, it was quite a night. Um, I was surprised that Bailey chose EO tonight. Like they did, they have two months, two months until WrestleMania. I thought some of these would go a little bit longer. Like the intrigue would be there. They never There'd do be... that though. They never do the intrigue thing. It's always like within a week. It's gotta you, be you that know day. What it is. Yeah. It's gotta be that day. Yeah. But this is a whole new regime. I mean, this is this is the new people deciding. Oh, tr oh, trust me. By the time we get to Mania, it'll probably be Tiffany Stratton versus Io. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind. You want to know who? Uh, I mean, Tiffany Stratton tonight. Like, I am not. You know, I told people on this uh, episode last week, and for the several weeks prior, because I've been on every week. Tiffany Stratton. Never. I. I mean, I didn't know much. It's Tiff Stratton. Like, literally, they're doing Trish Stratus. They're doing Trish Stratus with her, trying to make her the same thing. Tiff Stratton. Super. I want to see more Tiff Stratton. She's great. She is. She is. Yeah. I think. I think people who haven't given her a chance, like admittedly myself, not that I haven't given her a chance, I just haven't been like super into what she was doing uh, tonight in SmackDown. Like, why are you going after Braun Breaker so hard? I mean, Tiff Stratton's right there. Tiff, right there. Well, you, look, you Charlotte, Charlotte's screen, out. Charlotte's, Charlotte's right out there. nine months, and we had these plans, so we cast new Charlotte. <laughs> no, I mean, God, no, I don't even think she's new. There's no new Charlotte. No, like, I don't. No it's, it's just I'm cracking wise because I was. Oh, yeah. There's no one so. out there that Charlotte. It's just this episode was a whole lot of things. It was a it whole was. lot of things. It was three. It was the next three weeks of TV all compacted into, yes. the, into tonight. Yes. You have to again. You have two months. Let it breathe, kids. Two months. If you're not watching on video. Actually, I don't even know if there's a video component to this, but there will if you're be. not watching. There will oh, be. good. Two. Two whole weeks of television that you could have done for the next two weeks without having to do everything tonight. But I digress. You just had to bring The Rock to Birmingham, Alabama, didn't you? To Birmingham, Alabama. I couldn't believe that. When I saw The Rock was like, someone tweeted. That, that he was Rock, in a gym. He was in the gym in Birmingham. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's odd because there's no way in hell SmackDown's in Birmingham, Alabama. And guess where SmackDown was? Guess Birmingham, where it was? Alabama. Yeah. It was in Birmingham. How, how'd you know that? <laughs> I don't it know. Was in, <laughs> it was in Birmingham. Um, so yeah, let's uh so long story short, burying the lead, we are not. 
The Rock is back. He's wrestling Roman at WrestleMania. Yes. Cody has chosen Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Bailey has chosen EO at WrestleMania. Yes. Who Rhea Ripley defends against is still unknown. It mm-hmm. could be Nia. It could be Becky. It could be Bianca. It could be a whole host of names, probably Becky, as you said. Uh, those are the best top four they could have done. What does Gunther do? What does, does he wrestle Drew? Maybe does Drew be like, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to go after like the hard hitting guy instead of, Oh, so it'll be just like last year with the triple threat. Yeah. I don't want it to be that. Sheamus will come back and they'll just do that all again. There we go. I tell you what though, like (laughs) we're worrying about WrestleMania for right now because there's so much time away and the matches are going to be good. Even if you're laughing out loud, at the way that Cody got to Seth Rollins again, who, by the way, Cody is two and zero against Seth in their last two matches or whatever. Uh, laughing out loud about how that happened, laughing out loud that The Rock took CM Punk and Cody's spot, laughing out loud at everything. Right? Elimination Chamber is going to rule. You have you have Gunther in there, you have Drew McIntyre, you have still the unknown about what Rhea Ripley is going to do. So I'm guessing one elimination chamber is going to be for who challenges Rhea. Yeah. I mean, you're making that, if you do that and Becky being in that Tiff Stratton, maybe being in that Bianca, maybe being in that maybe Jade Cargill is in, and that's how Jade and whoever her opponent's going to be. Uh, I really hope they give Jade a WrestleMania singles match. I hope they're not afraid to do that because like, I think it would just be, you have two nights do it. Uh, elimination chamber is going to rule. We haven't even talked about Shinsuke Nakamura, right? Like Shinsuke Nakamura is, he did the whole Cody feud. He's kind of a top guy on Raw. What is he going to do? Is it Shinsuke and Gunther? Like, what is Gunther going to do? What is he going to do? And on this whole time, I was like, Gunther could possibly get, he could make his way into one of these title matches. He could do it. And I was really excited to see it happen. Doesn't look likely now, but Gunther is the one that I'm like, I really hope. They give him the one of the big matches. That's gonna be Braun. That's gonna be Braun Breaker. I mean, it could be Braun, and maybe that's uh, that's what you do, right? Because Adam Pierce tonight. Uh, I want to talk about this too. Tonight, Adam Pierce, Nick Aldis, they keep going at each other's throats, and Braun Breaker did not decide tonight no. where he's going to be. He did not decide tonight where he's going to be. He's going to show up on Raw. Adam Pierce, someone's going to have to give him something, and you have Nick Aldis on one hand, probably offering Braun Breaker a chance at Logan Paul. But Logan Paul's busy. He's busy with Kevin Owens right now. On the other, could that be it? Like, Braun, your first match on the Raw brand is going to be WrestleMania for the Intercontinental Championship against Gunther. They should just let him be a Steiner. That'll be the offer. I'll let you be well, a Steiner, and I'll give you the match against him. <laughs> I don't even need you to be a Steiner, but Braun Breaker, <laughs> Breaker with two Ks. Like, yes. that's his name now. Like, it's going to yeah, happen. I know, we, I know. we said this for... 15 years about Dolph Ziggler and it ended up being an awesome name. Let's true, face it. True. It ended up being awesome. Yeah. Uh, Braun Breaker is the name, but maybe that's what they do. Like we have to up and up and up and up. You want a big match for night one, <laughs> maybe even night two. I hope I, I mean, it's triple H. So maybe he'll do it. Maybe he'll do it. I cannot wait to see Adam Pierce versus Nick Aldis. I want to see all this in a WWE ring. One on one. One on one. I don't Yeah, but it's gonna be it's gonna be them in it's gonna be like a tuxedo match or something, you know, where they're wearing the suits and the first person to strip it. It's gonna be a comedy match. No, you know what? No, no, no. uh, Yeah. Well, if it was the Vince show, maybe. But you know what I would love? I mean, I would love if they actually did that match 
And then I think it would be hilarious, but also kind of cool because I think Adam Pierce and Nick Aldis can make it work. Adam Pierce mostly. Um, Nick Aldis shows up in the wrestling gear and Adam Pierce is showing up in the suit. Like, oh, I didn't know we were actually doing this. Like, I, I didn't know I was supposed to actually try. I thought it was like two GMs. Oh, no, no. I, I, I'll, I'll do you one better. He shows up in the suit because, oh, I didn't know we were doing this match. And then he takes off the suit and it's like, Cut off T-shirt, jeans, knee pads over. <laughs> it's like, oh, now it's a street fight, and he just goes after Alice. I once saw at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Oh, nice. Adam, P- Adam Pierce go one on one with a Mister Brent Albright. Okay, Mister Gunner Scott himself for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Uh, front row, seeing Adam Pierce in an NWA title match. Uh, that was what fifteen years ago. 15, 14 years ago. Adam Pierce hasn't wrestled, I think, in at least eight years. Maybe, maybe not quite. The NWA, when he had that run with Cole Cabana, was like his last big thing. Oh no, he had the, the he had the quote unquote match with Roman. Uh yeah, well, yeah. But, <laughs> okay. Anywho, uh, I would love to see Adam Pierce wrestle. I don't know if he's gonna be like trying for it. Although I've seen this guy on TV. I mean, this guy looks like he's been working out lately. Like he looks like he, a guy who's been working out for a potential match, or maybe he's just always ready. Like Adam, Adam Pierce is old school. Like he's maybe just always, he's going to be 75 years old and he'll be like jacked, ready to go with his suit, with his uh, gear in his bag, like just ready to go. Uh, I would love to see Nick Aldis and Adam Pierce. I don't know why they keep going, you know, back and forth between the two of them. If they're not going to do some type of confrontation, let's say if they did Johnny Ace, Con Laurinaitis, versus whoever the opposing GM was. Was it Stephanie at the time? Whoever it was. Uh, they went so far at them and they had the battle. They had the four man, or the eight man tag battle between SmackDown and Raw. They're going to do something with Nick Aldis and Adam Pierce. They're going to do Probably. something. Um, I think Pierce, they said, they Pierce said has me blocked on Twitter. <laughs> well, you should be nicer to Adam Pierce. Okay? Because... Was... He got a fight with an ABC campaign reporter who, uh, who likes wrestling and started following me because of... Uh, I think fightful, um, and 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 Pierce used a hashtag uh, that references um, the Holocaust to reference a wrestling angle, and, and and the political reporter goes, "Really? You're using that hashtag?" And it's like for Holocaust, and they blocked both of us because Pierce doesn't like any. Uh, he used hashtag never again for a for a wrestling angle, and got mad when he got called out on it. So he blocked everybody who called him out on it. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what any of those words meant. That's okay. But are you done? Are you done ranting now or, or, or you have some more? I, I think I, I honestly don't think we got to even everything, but like, that's probably where we should stop because Save we some. you have two, you have two months to come back on the show. If you we want were, to come back, we were all over the map. All yes. I'm going to say, this is, this is the bullet points you should take out of this, right? Cody Rhodes motivations are hilarious. Top four matches they could have done, they're going to do. So at least at the end of the day, when you look at WrestleMania, like what they could have done, they did the best they could. Like you could not have gotten anything better. You got The Rock facing Roman. There's intrigue. There's intrigue on whether or not The Rock will beat Roman. I don't think they do that. I think you keep going Roman. Uh, And then think about this. Say, Say Cody beats Seth. He's the world's heavyweight champion, right? Roman beats The Rock. Then you really start asking what's next. Like what could possibly be next? Because Roman's literally beaten everyone at that point. But SummerSlam comes around, right? 
And Cody wants to finish a story while also being the world champion. Do you have another unification match? Do you have another unification match where you have to like split titles later on again? I'm sorry. You do this at the biggest card possible and SummerSlam ain't it. Does CM Punk return and win money in the bank? And then somehow <laughs> like Cody, like literally Cody Rhodes, right? Is about to face Russ or Roman Reigns for both titles. Yeah. And then CM Punk somehow like in the backstage <laughs> oh, area beats Cody. 45 year old CM Punk with a torn tricep doing money in the bank. That's such I a mean, Vince move. <laughs> so money in the bank, right? Money in the bank is what? June. It's July. a June pay-per-view. July. It's usually July like it, it's, it's July 4th weekend, actually. Uh, I guess uh, I guess CM Punk's birthday is in October. I was going to say, like, maybe he'll be 46 <laughs> by then. Morty, he, maybe he'll be 46. Uh, but, hey, Billy Gunn's still going, and Billy Gunn looks great. Can he do a five-minute match? Nope. Nope. Gas is out pretty quick these days. But CM Punk doesn't have to worry, ever worry about gassing out. Like, he can't even get to gassing out stage. He's just, like, he can't move, man. He's old, and he's he was never... The best part about CM Punk, he was never athletic when he was 28. No, when he was 28 and he admits he's he's not athletic. That's was the weird part of him going to MMA. It's like, what? Christian cage stole the best gimmick CM Punk could have ever had is the outwork everyone. And then just heal on everything and say it was all a joke (laughs) to be at work. You all like Christian cage is doing the best gimmick CM Punk could have ever done. And I will leave you with that bit of wisdom. We'll see you during the road to WrestleMania. God, if I survive it, Hey, kids, now for part two, Chris Novembrino joining me. Hey, Jeffrey. Thanks for having me on the show. (laughs) This is recorded eight days after that audio. And uh, we know a little more, and we don't know a little more about what the hell is going on with this Rockin' Cody thing. But let's get into it. What we do know, I'm quoting from Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer is that Cody Rhodes won the Royal Rumble to face Roman Reigns to finish the two-year-long storyline of quote-unquote finishing the story when Reigns beat Rhodes at last year's WrestleMania. At the same time, Dwayne Johnson had signed on January 3rd in a deal with Ari Emanuel and Nick Khan to not just be on the board of directors of TKO, but part of the deal was to headline this year's WrestleMania, presumably against Roman Reigns, with Johnson noting the storyline had started years ago. Reigns versus Johnson was talked about prior to the pandemic as a one-time return match, and the pandemic got in the way of it. It had been considered for WrestleMania in Dallas in 2022, but Johnson pointed to Los Angeles in 2023 before backing out and saying he didn't have time to adequately prepare, but left Philadelphia in 2024 on the table. He's been stringing them along for a few years. That's me. At the time, a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, it's just like he's, he's keeping his options up. This is this is the fallback girlfriend situation, yes, only yes. with like a company. At the time, a lot of people figured it probably wasn't happening because he turned down Dallas for Los Angeles, and he didn't do that show. His booking out actually led to Rhodes being put in the match in the first place, as Rhodes and Seth Rollins last year were to be in a match to create the second world title, which they delayed several months after a press conference. Love this note by Dave. A misnomer since the decision was made for it not to be a press conference at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. They ended up announcing Reigns versus Rhodes for WrestleMania. They ended up not announcing anything for Seth Rollins, nor any other match past teasing the expected Rhea Ripley versus Becky Lynch match, etc., etc. 
The belief is that Rollins will defend against the winner of the men's chamber match on the Australia show. And that there was a tease with the idea of Reigns and Rock versus Rhodes and Rollins tag team match, which could be on day one of WrestleMania. Rock ended up going heel on Rhodes, slapping him in the face after an argument about families and siding with Reigns. Rollins was out there at the time and ended up backing up Rhodes. The only thing we were told is that the idea was to create a fan ground swell for Rhodes and try and create a Daniel Bryan-like situation. And clearly that is exactly what happened. I'll push back on that. And clearly that is exactly what happened. The idea was that he earned the title shot and was getting screwed out of it until in the end he wound up with it. Rhodes going on SmackDown and indicating he wasn't going to take the shot did make for a very inconsistent storyline. No kidding, Dave. Especially since it was clear by the next day he was getting the shot and the company was encouraging it. Now, of all the people to give an underdog scrappy storyline to... You don't give it to the guy who comes out in a nice suit and who won the Royal Rumble. I'm sorry. It's it's just dumb. All of this makes no sense. It feels like they had two ideas that they had to push together and somehow try to make sense. It came off that way to me on, on the quote-unquote press conference. It almost looked like they were setting up Rock versus Triple H, which can't happen with Triple H's heart condition. I don't know. I think this is just going a long way to do the same thing. You should have been doing the entire time and they should have just kept it simple, stupid, and they should have just placated rock in another way. Chris, what do you think? I think that, yeah, <laughs> no, no, I, I need to use my microphone voice here for starters here. And I, <laughs> think that turning rock heel ultimately is a good move given that the crowd was not nibbling on this but i do not believe that dwayne johnson came out on that smackdown promo with the cody handoff thinking this is not going to be well received i believe that he thought him coming out um, much like he even said, like they started a storyline and he's going to be the guy to finish it. I think that he thought that him coming out right then and there was going to be extremely acceptable to the audience, that he could rocky the audience a little bit and get them on his side and people would accept the handoff of the baton. And I think it became very clear over the weekend that was not going to happen. That was even more clear on Monday when you actually had a Rocky Sucks chant going on. And while WWE has sort of, you know, embraced the mantra of any reaction is good reaction, this is not the reaction that Dwayne Johnson wanted when he pitched this WrestleMania feud. Uh, and you'll never get me to believe anything, anything to the contrary. And I, I also believe that leaving the Royal Rumble that Cody Rhodes, the performer and the, the, the you know, on-screen talent or whatever, uh, believed wholeheartedly, both in character and out, that he was going to WrestleMania to face Roman Reigns. I, I don't believe that he thought that he was going to be going on to SmackDown the next episode and handing off his Royal, Royal Rumble win to Dwayne Johnson. Last, um, I, I will say that, yeah, you're, you're right. This is not a Daniel Bryan story. Cody Rhodes in the suit is the formidable contender story. 
This is a guy who has worked his way up and Roman Reigns has had unworthy challengers, not, not even unworthy, but like less formidable contenders. Whereas this guy, Cody Rhodes is like the nemesis, uh, the formidable contender. He, you know, he's the good guy, the, the Luke Skywalker going after Darth Vader, uh, a, a, a worthy adversary. It's not an underdog story. And actually, underdog really goes in the face of building equity in the worthy adversary. The underdogs, like the one, two, three kid, or like the little little weenie, noodly armed guy who swings his fist real hard and accidentally knocks out the European champion, becoming the European champ or becoming the Intercontinental champion. Um, they do that quickly, suddenly. It's out of nowhere. It's not a story. Uh, to be completed because the whole part of the underdog thing is it's like flash, like like it just started. All of a sudden, the one two three kid rolls up Razor Ramon, and now we have a new on screen talent. Cody Rhodes, the story, it it, it is something that they built into. Um, we have been critical about how WWE's presentation throughout this year hasn't done a particularly good job connecting the dots of how every one of these beats, going back to Brock Lesnar, for example, how Brock Lesnar is connected to capital T, capital S, the story. Um, they didn't do a good job connecting that. But at the same time, all along the way, as Cody beats Brock Lesnar, as Cody beats Seth Rollins, as Cody beats all these people, he not that he ever was, but he certainly is nowhere near the realm of an underdog anymore. He's now a guy who can win. Um, and, and that's, that is capital T capital S the story. Uh, I just, I think they bungled this. Um, I, I would have had, I still would have had rock turn on Cody. That's very clearly to me what needed to happen. I just wouldn't have done it as the presser. I would have, I would have had this happen on TV. I would have had the rock betraying Cody as like a key moment on the road to WrestleMania rather than a thing that happens in a melodrama scenario. Though I will say having watched it, the one thing I did dig the, uh, the family tree presentation on the screen and everything that looked really good. Like they did a very good job with that. Yes. The (laughs) Drew Gulak doing the PowerPoint. No. Um, yeah, to me, it's, it's one of those things where it's, where it's like, okay, they made the deal with Ari and Nick Khan for Reigns to be headlining WrestleMania, and then they still went through with the Royal Rumble creative that they had set out. That that just smells to me. It so doesn't much. sound right. Yeah, it does it, it, not sound right. And the the other thing was, I mean, so let me ask you this real quickly. Okay. Do you think that bringing out The Rock then? was like a move to sort of change the narrative a little bit on the Vince McMahon and the kind of the cloud that hangs over the company right now? I think it was two parts. I think it was one, it was that. Even though even though when Rock joined TKO, Vince McMahon was still on the company board. But I think the machinations had been put in place that we're getting rid of Vince. He's just it's just too much of a liability. I think the other part of this was that TKO saw what happened with the NFL playoff game on Peacock that was only exclusive to Peacock, and people had to register on that, and they saw dollar signs. And they thought if Rocky, if if The Rock comes back to wrestle a match, that that will bring in an influx of new Peacock subscriptions that they would split with the company, et cetera, et cetera. 
and and that they could get away with it. I think for for Rock, it was a very vainglorious move after the public humiliation of uh, Black Adam not doing anything at the box office. And he was just going to walk in to an already sold out WrestleMania and then be able to say, I headlined a sold out sold out WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, right. Like the rock. Yeah, the rock is a sold a sellout. Yeah. Everybody was getting a little bit of something in this deal to me. And then they just decided people aren't ever going to buy this. They came to their senses a bit and said, no matter how much goodwill from the attitude era rock has. And I don't. Dude, if he comes was going to come out and start doing his, you know, semi-homophobic <laughs> spiels and talking about strudel and putting things up people's asses. Yeah, I mean, right? Like, here's the thing about vintage rock. It was a combination of semi-homophobia and semi-misogyny on a yes. regular basis. Yes. And I, you know, I think it was fun at the time time for the people it was fun for but that pool of people for whom it would be fun for now is much much smaller and no it's gonna be the parent diaspora. it's gonna be it's for the parents of people bringing their kids to wrestlemania because i had this kind of moment in dallas when i went a few years back where it's like the kids wanted to see the new day they were hyped to see the new day at the time and the, and the parents were like man i just want to see the dudleys break and put somebody through a table that, that's all they wanted to do so it's like okay You'll get a little bit of that. I don't think the draw was I, as big as they thought it might be. And I think, I think, if I hate price, to say this, I think there's more replay value in the Dudley Boys match than a Rocky Maivia match at this point. I, I would rather see the 50 year old Dudleys put somebody through a table. They still have a moderately entertaining match, even though it's like the same, you know, gimmick or whatever. The Rocks match, we all forget this, I feel like. It's not that good. It's a John Cena match yes. with a better eyebrow. Well, the funny thing is Rock is, here's how I, I put it when I was thinking about this. Rock is Steve McQueen to John Cena's Paul Newman in many, many ways. Newman, or, uh, you know, Newman's a consummate actor, whatever. McQueen was always kind of a showy he was a decent actor, but he liked being a star more than he liked being an actor. And, and Newman, you know, he, I mean, Cena would come in. He, he, he did a clean job to, uh, uh, Austin theory for God's sakes. Rock's never doing that. Rock's and, the kind and, of guy who can all time. Great clean jobs to Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Well, but, but Rock's the kind of guy who doesn't want to get hit in a movie because he's going to look bad. And he, you know, it, 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 it's like, a, and why I've said Newman and McQueen is because the, the infamous story is in order to have McQueen agree to do the towering Inferno, the credits on the poster had to be staggered so that both were kind of equal and they both had to have the same number of lines. Now, Newman would have never done anything like that, but Steve McQueen would. And that's what The Rock is right now. Well, the Rock is very much Steve McQueen. He's, he's a guy who... He still thinks he's a star. He still thinks he's gonna be a mogul. I still think he's gonna he's gonna try an angle to actually run WWE one day. But I think a lot of this was just Triple H standing up and saying, This is the creative plan that we went with. If you go against it, it's gonna be very, very bad. And clear heads prevailed. That's that's what I'm thinking right now. Yeah, like that the on screen of Triple H dressing down the rock was sort of a backstage take into on screen sort of narrative 
Yeah, I, I, I could see that. Um, like that, that Hunter was, I mean, this is a very sort of Paul Levesque move, right? Or very Hunter. I, move, could, I you, could see. Yeah, you take, you take your dirty laundry onto the microphone and work it into the storyline. A little bit, but I could also see this being like a corporate thing where it's like, we know Rock's on the corporate board, so Rock's going to have a match, and then Triple H can't have a match, but, oh, there's Nick Aldis over there. We can put Nick Aldis in a match representing Triple H as part of the company or whatever and do some sort of dumb office politics story and Adam Pierce is somehow involved and all that other crap. Uh, yeah. Oh but... no, no. I, I, the Pierce all this thing is clearly building, right? Like the uh, in an effort to show that we have a unified front line is one of those great Chekhov's guns lines. I, I mean, I actually thought that that little bit on SmackDown that the all this um, uh, Scrap Daddy Adam Pierce uh, stuff is in, they're both doing a good job with it. Yeah. You know, your mileage it's ho- may vary. It's hokey, on- but they're doing a good job with it. Your that, mileage that's... may vary on the office politics thing, but like, yeah. One of the, I mean, a consistent thing about WWE writing, at least in the last several months here, is that there tends to be a little bit of room for nuance now, which has been nice. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we'll get into nuance when we get to Lazy River, but I also think very much so, like uh, the Dakota Kai Bailey thing. It's right, right, right. I'm talking, yeah, too. more in the mid card. I don't need nuance in this main event story. I just no. need Cody Rhodes to effing beat Roman Reigns at this point and for us to be able to move on. AEW announcing big business on March 13th from TD Ameritrade Arena in Boston. Announced on Wednesday without expressly mentioning Mercedes Monet, which is where it's thought she will debut, but they didn't mention Boss Town. Boss, 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 boss. Pre-sale sold 4,000 tickets. Venue is set up for a little bit over five right now. I hope um, it's Vince McMahon under a mask debuting for <laughs> AEW. <laughs> no, and I, I took some heat on the old on old Elon Musk's X because I thought they should go with the hard sell here and promote and say, yes, this will be where Mercedes Monet is debuting. Get your tickets starting Friday, general sale on Saturday for two reasons. Number one, because you could possibly sell out that building maybe or you want to get as many tickets sold that first weekend as possible because right now it's only set up for five but it, you know it's like a fifteen thousand seat arena etc cetera, etc cetera. but also because wwe was having this big press conference which was supposed to be a press conference the next day and you wanted to steal some thunder from your competition a little bit i thought you know and if somebody's asking questions somebody's gonna ask something about hey Sasha Banks has gone to your competition. You have any comment on that, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you can draw some focus away from there. But, you know, they decide not to. They decide to do the CM Punk route, even though Mercedes is not as associated with the city of Boston as CM Punk is with the city of Chicago. No. no. But, I, I mean, I think I think you promote. That is their job as a promoter is to promote and say, hey, this big star is making their debut there. You're going to want to get tickets. And you could possibly get a travel crowd as well. How, how did you feel about this, Chris? I mean, it'll certainly be an interesting heat check to Mercedes Monet's sort of singular draw ability because, you know, she... how they didn't say she was going to be there officially. <laughs> no, no I, I, I know, right? But like, like going ahead because it, like the company kind of, you know, we've seen what their local, you know, what their, you know, house numbers have been recently. Yeah, can Monet raise those? Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I think 
she's very talented, but the way that this show is structured right now, Dynamite specifically, how much of a percentage of the show can you make the women's division? And without losing audience, even though your audience isn't that, I mean, look, they, they, they loaded up that show in Phoenix and they only got, I mean, they were second for the night, but they only got like, I think like a little bit over 800,000. Right. And also like how long. And I I mean, like, I mean, maybe cons talk to Monet about like, you're going to be effectively the ace of this company. One of the new things that will define AEW is that our ace is a woman. Um, I don't think that's what happened. Uh, that's that. If I was a betting man, I wouldn't bet that. Yeah. So I, I, it's, she's very talented, but the way that the women's division is for both companies, um, but even more so for AEW right now, it is not. It's not the main course of the dish if you are buying tickets. So I, I think that places a real ceiling on her drawability. I'm. It's nice to see her back. Um, I'm interested to see how she fits into this AEW universe. Although also on that, I have my doubts just because this AEW universe is kind of a messy place right now, especially with like Tony Storm and Deanna Perrazzo and like everything that's happening in the women's division right now does not inspire massive confidence for Monet to come in there, bring order to the chaos and uh, make a coherent story out of what has been uh a miasma of mediocrity. Bad week for heads of smaller companies this week. TNA wrestling president Scott Demore been let go with Anthony Ciccioni of TNA's parent company, Anthem Sports and Entertainment, taking over as the new president. Company's press release states that the intent is to further integrate TNA into Anthem's entertainment group, which Ciccioni, I think is how you say the name, is already president of. According to the report from PW Insider, it is believed that the decision came directly from Anthem's owner, Len Asper. The rumor around is that uh, Moore wanted more money to try and expand now that they've gotten kind of hot, or at least they have some good buzz going around them, and that uh, Anthem basically said no. Personal, uh, personal editorial here. Uh, the talent had a Zoom meeting, and they announced there that Demore decided to step down. That always gets my dander up because if you fire somebody and then they go, they decide to leave. That to me leads to an already dishonest relationship. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I, I mean, it's yeah, of course it is. But you know, done, the, the, to, to, to misrepresent what the breakup is yes. or the nature of the breakup is inherently dishonest. But Demar done a lot with a little over there. I mean. He he has he has some good wrestlers over there. He's uh he's he's elevated Josh Matthews. He's or not Josh Matthews. Josh uh, Josh Alexander, um, uh Steve Macklin, who used to be in WWE, is a star. You know he has a he has a great women's division. That's always kind of been the hallmark of uh of TNA slash Impact is how good their women's division is compared to other companies in america with the you know with the exception i mean wwe is such a deep bench at this point that they don't even use good people over there um and and has always been very not always but has on numerous occasions throughout their history been very good at maximizing their women's roster yeah and uh you know a lot of a lot of the talent very upset by this on twitter or at least saying thank you uh 
kind of goes into the next story. Stardom founder and booker Rossi Ogawa was fired by Bushi Road after being accused of attempting to poach talent to leave the promotion. Story dates back about nine months ago when Bushi Road execs started overruling Ogawa to the dismay of both himself and talent and some of the more outlandish booking decisions. Ogawa constantly being overruled on booking and business decisions by Bushi Road fight president Katsuhiko Harada led to his decision to leave the company. Harada was later replaced by Taro Okada in that position in November. However, this continued under Okada and Ogawa had already made plans to leave. He had planned to leave February 18th. Bushi Road decided, you know what, let's move that up a couple weeks. Uh, <laughs> so Bushi Road decided to get ahead of the story two weeks early, made the announcement publicly that he was fired after the talent was told in a meeting following a show in Osaka. A lot of the talent is loyal to Ogawa, who founded the company and gave most of the women their career breaks. Expect several departures from the group in March when most of the contracts expire. That's the thing to remember here is that stardom, almost all their talent have, have contracts that expire that at the, the same, same time. time. The only wrestler under a longer-term commitment to stardom is IWGP champion Mayu Iwatani because of the movie of her life coming out. Bushi Road had known about talent leaving, and some were given legal threats in recent weeks. Those who are leaving wouldn't be doing so until their contracts expire. This is part of the story of why Julia will not be wrestling in Chicago, and had said she was taking time off in March when her contract expires. It's expected that Ogawa will take some of these loyalists and begin a new company. But uh, yeah, things kind of uh, things kind of rocky over there in Japanese women's wrestling. Also, part of the reason why Kyrie Sane came back to WWE. Chris, any thoughts? Yeah, um, I mean, I of course am not an expert on uh, what Rossi Ogawa has been doing. I met him Road. once. Nice guy. Oh, did you? Yeah. Uh, he um, was here for a uh, Rise show when they were still running when Rise was still uh, you know women's promotion here in the states, kind of an offshoot of Shimmer. Well, yeah yeah so like i i mean i i can't i can't speak uh directly to the poaching thing uh involving the women's talent what i can say is ogawa-san did contact me to leave shake them ropes and i have accepted <laughs> starting in march <laughs> oh you're joking now all right that's, yeah that's I, i'm having to be i'm very excited for my new position okay cool uh Toby Keith, legendary country singer uh performed on the first tna show in june 19th 2002 passed away on february 5th at the age of 62 of stomach cancer interesting note um big university of oklahoma football fan and not by coincidence was also friends with jim ross and jeff jeff jarrett uh toby keith had offered to buy tna from panda energy and bob carter was in an agreement but said there's just one there's just one little hang up here. I want my daughter to be able to stay with the company, even if it was just as a ceremonial face with an executive title. Toby Keith said, nope, <laughs> walked away. And that's when a lot of the problems began for Panda Energy and, and TNA. Uh, I don't expect you were a Toby Keith fan. Uh, How do you like me now is a great kiss off song, but uh, yeah, kind of sad. I mean, I, he was a huge wrestling fan. He was going to, he was going to buy TNA. I think he was going to put Jim Ross on commentary there and uh, have Jeff Jarrett run the thing. Um, Yeah. Like, no, he was, he was actually like a wrestling enthusiast. And I do know that about him. It's just, I mean, I'm going to be going to karaoke night later tonight and singing a wistful version of red solo cup. <laughs> uh, <laughs> come on 
All right, I'll move uh, on. Yeah, it, look, uh, he's got a very mixed legacy, and yes. you know, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spit on the man's grave, but like, you know, you also, you. Do oh no, you the, do. the figure four yeah. board already did that. Those mentals over there. So no, yeah. no, no. I, I mean, you know, like, like, yeah, no. He, he did record that pretty gross song after 9/11, but like, you know, I, people are more than just their worst moment, but at the same time. I will be singing a wistful version of Red Solo Cup tonight. You should sing a wistful version of How Do You Like Me Now. It's a better song. Yeah. Uh, XW, uh, X-Wrestling star. I'm not going to put X-WWE star because that's kind of insulting due to the fact that I know him more from Crockett. But uh, Billy Jack Haynes arrested this week after a fatal shooting left his wife dead. Uh, Billy Jack Haynes is now, is... now, do they have any suspects? Well, he barricaded himself when the cops came by. Some people just don't like to be interviewed. You know, it's, it's like that, it's they, like that, it's they like, care about their Fourth Amendment, Jeff. It's 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 like that line in uh, it's like that line in the Usual Suspects. You know, it, it, the guy that you usually think did it did it, <laughs> but we can't say that he's innocent until proven guilty. But Billy Jack Haynes has had some mental issues of of late. Um, I remember him mostly from from uh, number one. I remember him as the first guy to ever do the uh. Uh, full Nelson uh, challenge where can you break my full Nelson type of thing in wrestling from, from my youth. Yeah, yeah. 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 I remember he also, he had a sneaky Hoss tag team with Wahoo McDaniel that fought uh, Ole and Arn Anderson at one of the Starcades. I think it was 85. Uh, that, that was just guys just beating the crap out of each other for, for my enjoyment. And then he went to, he went to WWE for a while. So Vince guy always left territories after money disputes he was one of those guys it's like i think i should be paid like a star okay i'm leaving type of a thing uh returned in uh in 90s wcw under a hood uh with kevin sullivan as black blood do you remember that gimmick at all i don't know do you do you remember black no. blood from a that, that, like was he, was that ever even part of the dungeon of doom formally it was right before the dungeon of doom he was from a Holy tiny shit. little town in france is how he was built uh yeah uh but i don't well, know well no uh, golly I, I hope for his sake that they're able to find the killer of his wife <laughs> oj's on it now um <laughs> Comings and going. Samari Miller announced that she she has parted ways with WWE. Uh, I thought they could have done a lot more with her. She was great in uh, NXT UK, if that's the person I'm thinking of, the French woman, Amari Miller, I believe. And uh, Brian Keith, the bounty hunter, and Shane Taylor both signed to AEW contracts. They should go heavy into the Brian Keith uh, bounty hunter gimmick, please. Right. Uh, uh, the weird thing I heard is that like he doesn't even really do a bounty hunter gimmick he just dresses as it's, a bounty. It's, ju it's just a costume yeah that's all it is it, it, it why it's, I, why, I, I, why? I, I like, like it's the hook so, it's his hook that, that's such a weird it's like i don't want to do the gimmick i just want to dress like that i'd be like if i dressed up as a prison guard all of the big boss man <laughs> but but i i it, it, it is a total non sequitur that no, like, i just like saw this costume i just saw no this i just think these guys look cool yeah like, like something kind of tough about them yeah, i like you're not, the uniform you're not, you're not quite a cop but yeah. you're not quite a geek you're, you're not a security guard, guard. Yeah, yeah you're like a prison guard you're yeah you're not like guard. you're not watching walmart you're watching something Kind of, but you're not a cop because, yeah, you know, a cat, yeah. But like, so you kind of are in the middle. That's such a weird meta way of understanding gimmicks. Yeah. 
it's like i need a costume for this thing but i'm never gonna live this gimmick at all right you're like what what and it's even weirder to have a at least new jack try to live his gimmick for god's sake well i don't even need them to live the gimmick but like it's weird that the wrestler character yeah the character knows that it's not that he's not a bounty hunter <laughs> my, my gimmick is technical wrestler, and I go in there and I do no technical wrestling whatsoever. Imagine if the Undertaker knew that he really wasn't an Undertaker, like in the early nineties. I don't even know what a graveyard is. What I have no about? idea what the hell this shit is, Paul. Wait, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> what does Stone Cold mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, on a uh, on a kind of happy note, Steve McMichael wrestled from 1996 to 1999 with WCW, including a run as a part of the Four Horsemen. Uh, Everyone's favorite horseman. He, he, you know what? He, it's grown on me after watching it. I mean, it's <laughs> he's better than Paul Roma or Jeff Jarrett. Uh, he was elected to the 2024 class of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, Steve McMichael was a legit badass kid. No, he was he was a legit. Yeah, he, he was the real a deal. He was a legitimate athlete in the 80s there's no there's no getting on on he part was... of the best defense possibly in football history that 85 bears defense which uh were killers mike singletary uh uh i'm trying to think uh i want to say richard dent but that might be after his time but my god those guys those guys ate people alive i mean that that super bowl was something like 40 45 46 to 15 because that defense just that, the Patriots offense looked pathetic against those guys but yeah no Steve McMichael real hoss uh I tend to think that a lot of the voting was due to the fact that he's on his deathbed right yeah. now and they wanted to yeah, get him in sure. there to see that so yeah but uh, <coughs> uh and and you know I mean no, he deserves it though I, like yes yeah, yeah, no, he won. It's not. It's one a of these... lot. It's a lot though, like the Cincinnati Reds getting in. You know, a couple of those lower tier players on the big red machine, kind of thing. I mean, McMichael had was an all pro. Don't get me wrong. And for yeah, a couple right. of years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he deserved it. I don't know. Yeah, there, there are other guys on the ballot. I think deserved it a little bit more. But uh, you know, whatever. That's fair. That's fair. Raw, Raw, and two five boosted by the Cody Rhodes Rock uh, ended up with one point eight eight nine million viewers. Point five eight. Show did. Oh no. Uh, SmackDown two almost two and a half million. Wow. Dynamite. Uh. Dave's words, not mine, did a disappointing number for such a loaded show. The show that featured Sting going for his last championship, a major announcement by Tony Khan, Swerve Strickland for Santa Page for a title shot. The Revolution pay-per-view did 805,000 viewers with a .28, 18 to 49, and a .23 and 18 to 34. And with that, we will start with the lazy river of wrestling criticism whenever we had time to watch. And God knows there was a lot to watch this week. Uh, and whatever's on our mind, we can do now. I will quickly give you uh, ice-cold takes on NXT Vengeance Day. Uh, Braun and Baron versus uh, the Trick Mellow gang. Fun match. Braun and Baron Corbin are... are, are boy, if they love tag teams on the main roster, I would have brought them up as a team just to destroy dudes. I, I mean, they, they they are a hoss team straight out of WCW 1991. Love them. Two guys who are just jerks, like winning... Um, I, yeah, like I, I don't, the, my one thing is I, I don't, don't, they can get along and have rapport with one another, but I need them to both still be jerks. Stop the giggling crap. Yeah. Right. I don't need them to like, like, I don't want them to become likable. 
I want yeah. them to like each other. And I want them to like each other because they're both such jerks. Jerks. Exactly. Yes. Like, yeah. Like, like right now it's Braun Breaker bringing out the nice side of Baron Corbin, presumably to beat the crap out of Corbin at some point. But like, I, I, I would go the other way that they, they, that Baron Corbin brings out the jerk in Braun Breaker and they just become buds. Trick, uh, Trick Williams and Ilya Dragunov had a hell of a match for the main event. Of course, ending with uh, Carmelo after the match, turning on Trick Williams. Um, Trick's we'll go- the real deal, dude. He's he's a he's a quality talent, man. Yeah, like, yeah. He he. I it, it's I, been, I still it's been I an still interesting like the, road to get there with him, but too. I still like the rapport of a smaller, cocky, mouthy guy and a big dude back in his play. Even even though they can both talk, I'm cool with that. I was a little sad to watch him split up. But Chris, this show featured the dumbest cash-in of a quote-unquote money-in-the-bank type thing ever. Uh, your girl Lola Vice uh, cashed in during <laughs> the Roxanne Perez versus Lyra Valkyria match to make it a three-way and then got pinned. <laughs> it's so, it's so weird. Just make the people look good, people. That's all I want, man. All right, like, okay. <laughs> I, I, on one hand, I, I get even the argument that she wasn't ready for it yet, but you already put it on her. So now train her, get her ready for it, and make it happen. Don't just, you know, pull the plug on this thing before it even gets off the ground. Because, you no, know, like, now she does look like a goof. And, like, like you know, like, she's back on... She's back on TV, you know, this this Wednesday here, and she's having a match to try to, like, kind of get her swagger back, you know, get her groove back, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, it, it's, like, it's, it's like Austin Theory cashing in for the Intercontinental title, you know? Yeah. That's a dumb move. They can try and explain it all they want, but it's still a dumb move when you have the shot at the big belt. Go after yeah. the big belt. Don't don't cash in in the middle of a match. If you want to call your shot and be an honorable baby face, that's fine. You're an idiot, but, but she wasn't even trying to be. An, no, that's she the wasn't. That's, that's the really weird thing. Is it's like this is a move that you might might attribute to stupid baby face syndrome. Yeah, but this is instead like stupid heel syndrome, but impossible to understand from a ring psychology standpoint. Heel syndrome. Like, why would a heel ever think to do it like this? You would wait for the two to have finished the match hoping that like basically it was like a near you know complete defeat and then just pin the other one your turn sir um let's talk a little sword strickland uh hangman adam page here okay uh look the crowd was very into this match i thought it was a good and entertaining match uh i am confused by the page and strickland dynamic and like you can tell by commentary and also the crowd that they don't really know what the dynamic fully is here right now page is effectively the heel and strickland is effectively the baby face yes but even then there's still every so often these echoes of strickland broke into hangman adam page's house (laughs) but that was a long time ago chris uh and to make matters worse, specifically to gain access to his children. Yeah. Not to, not to break in to take the TV, which is still bad, mind you. It's not good to break in to take We're not exactly it. sure what he would have done to that child. The child doesn't matter. The, doesn't matter. The fact that the intention was the child is bad enough. 
it really should cause recoil from anyone embracing this man as a baby face. Um, but with all of that well, said, maybe that kid cries a little too much. Maybe that. <laughs> Adam was trying to do him a favor. He has yeah. an annoying kid. Yeah, he has an annoying child. That's what it is. No, so like. I enjoyed I enjoyed the match. I thought it was a good, well-worked match. I thought it, you know, had good intensity. Uh I liked the end of the match where Adam Page is like, no, I yeah. my only job here, my only job here was to stop you from getting a title match. And then I hated, hated. <laughs> I've just heard from the back. Deus Ex Machina visionary Tony Khan coming in and you've had the power to go home all along. Just click your heels three yes. times. You bitch, you guys, why did you tell me that? Why these, okay, you want a competitive match, then why not just have these two guys have the triple threat match with Joe in the first place? Joe should have been out there screaming, almost trying to kill Tony Khan, saying, no, 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 make them fight again if you're going to do that kind of this thing. This is you know, stupid. Whatever. I was promised a number one contender. Exactly. I want a number one contender. Yeah. This is not a charity. Not everyone's getting a title match. Like, I, no, I hated that. It was lame. And more importantly, when you cut to Tony Schiavone, literally visually, um, and Tony Khan serving as the mouthpiece for Tony Schiavone, you remove agency, intrigue, and power from the protagonist-antagonist dynamic between Swerve Strickland and Hangman Adam Page. Prior to this, Adam Page had all the chips. He was the guy who had the thing that I guess our effective protagonist, Swerve Strickland, wanted. And then all of a sudden, Deus Ex Machina, Tony Khan shows up, and it's like, no, Swerve, you get it too. That oh, is boring. Oh, but he doesn't Everybody show up. Everybody gets a he, cookie is boring. He doesn't show up either. He's a coward because he can't wait to get out there and tell you about about March 13th in Boston. And, oh, it's going to be a big thing. But he doesn't have the stones to come out there and face Swerve Strickland and say, yeah, you know, we said it was a number one contender match. You know, I'm going to have Tony Schiavone do it because I'm I'm too busy in Gorilla to, to come out there and say uh, anything. I'll do you one better. I think he doesn't want to run the risk of getting booed again. Yeah. And that he, yeah, that like, like subconsciously, subtextually in his head, he remembers that time he came out and did all the CM Punk stuff. And that hurt his fifis real bad. He <laughs> sat on that chair and nobody liked it, even though he was sitting on a chair yes. and he was sad. And that wasn't enough for people to like him. Jerks. Jerks all of them. Feared so now, for his life, and they booed the man. Yeah, he feared. He was. Phil Brooks <laughs> is a disgusting, psychotic man who imperiled the life of Tony Khan in a way that had heretofore never been. And a dog. Yes. And the dog. And, and and then he comes out to add insult to near injury here. You have all these people booing him. And he didn't want that to happen again. But he also knew that this triple threat thing is kind of a stupid idea. So then you hand it off to Tony or Tony Schiavone because no one's going to boo Tony Schiavone. Tony's just doing his job. Tell you who I liked. I loved that main event, and I love me some Big Bill. Uh, that dude, last week they set it up where Sting goes, I don't know if you're a killer. This week, Big Bill looked like a killer. Him bouncing Darby's head off the mat trying to brain the dude in the middle of a tag team match doing the boss man slam deep six, whatever you call it after the dive onto the floor. 
this this was a match straight out of my youth. This is a match straight out of 86, 87, where guys were trying to rip each other apart. And far be it for me, I, I loved the I loved the young bucks thing afterwards. The white suit, Darby Blades, bleeds all over the suits. Dug that, but if, if this is just a hot shot deal to get the belts onto uh the, the Bucks or whatever, or just for Sting and, and Darby just for that one match. I find a way to put these belts back on Starks and Bill as soon as they can because I love that they, they overperformed as tag team champions. They, uh, what are you doing? I'm closing my door. I have my okay. cats running around outside, and, and now it is Jeffrey. It is snowing in Albuquerque. Okay, okay, okay. It I'm, is cold. Let me continue my my thought then. I'll, well, then don't interrupt your own thoughts to be nosy. Well, you're giving me vertigo while you're moving your computer. Um. Focus on your thoughts. Don't focus on my. That's don't hard focus enough. on my looks. That's focus hard, on your that's thoughts. That's hard enough for me, and you know this. Um, I know because my mind is all over the place at all. And time. sometimes, sometimes I look real dreamy. They, when they, I love me some FTR, but boy, that that win over them was effective to get the titles in the first place. This is one of those times where they put two individuals together as a tag team, and they gel as a team, even though they're not. They don't have a clever name. And they don't have matching gear, and they're not just two singles wrestlers doing, you know, singles moves like WWE always does. They had double team moves, they had strategy. I I love this team and I love me some big bill. That's all. I agree. They're a good team. Oh um, no, I, I don't I don't have a deep insight on the Starks and Big Bill thing other beyond no, what you said. That's fine. Um, it's your go then. They they make sense. You have the big guy, you have the little guy. Um, Starks was starting to, yeah, increasingly finding he's so much better as a heel than yes. as a face because he can be a weasel. And that makes so much sense for his character. Whereas as a baby face, he doesn't have um, a character trait like he, being a weasel. He's cocky. He's yeah. arrogant. He's a little effeminate, which always helps as well. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he's little, a much little bit of a pretty, well, he's a pretty boy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like not even, yeah, it's not even. He's a bit of a dandy. Like, He's a bit of a yeah. dandy, is what he doesn't is. want to. Yeah, yeah, like doesn't want to get hit. It, yeah. yeah, it's it's that it's that pretty boy doesn't want to get hit thing. Um, I mean, you know, like I, I vibe. Uh, but yeah, no, I I, I liked that. Um, let's see what else was on dynamite that was kind of worth talking about here. Um, I don't have a lot of new things to say about got, Dion Brazo oh, and okay. Tony Storm. Um, I. I Deanna Peraza just continues to flounder for me. I I, I want to get into this. Her I, presentation I stinks. No, she comes out and she's doing this to everybody. She's doing the she's... heel thing. Yes, the the shoe off is a heel move. That's a heel and, move. And instead, that, it's it's supposed to be have the have the cameraman get get back so that she can get all of me. But it's coming off as a heel move. She didn't say anything on commentary worth a damn. And then she's wearing like the Jericho style heel, so she's taller than Tony Storm, <laughs> which is somewhat odd but at the same time it's like why does diana Perazzo have to be out there why does she have to be have a live mic do pre-tapes she's effective in pre-tapes we've seen her be effective in pre-tapes just but pre-tape her she doesn't i mean part of like she's not a strong promo but the virtuosa is not a strong character it's a she's it's good. a heel character as well yeah the yeah virtu- yeah she, a virtuosa yeah. is is an arrogant you know, look look at how look look at how great of a technician a I am. Yeah, I'm yes. a great I'm a great technical wrestler. Um, and, and but more importantly, so it it the only it's arrogant, but like beyond that, like it, it, in that heel presentation, 
Beyond that, it doesn't, as a babyface, does not immediately call out to any specific character traits or personality aspects that you might imagine. You know, like, like, like there is, um, it's hard to think about like, like what is a virtuosa as like, a, I mean, maybe a great artist, uh, but like, there's no, are they sarcastic? Are they funny? Um, are they kind? Are, no, like, like as a baby face, you have to have something kind of going for you. Like that they, they've She's kind of got like snobby a, is what she is. That's what a right, virtuosa is. It's, right. Yeah. It just inherently does not lend itself to positive characterization, which is why it flounders. Meanwhile, it's being juxtaposed with this so over the top, you can't help but laugh presentation on Tony Storm. She'll never be that timeless Tony Storm character, whether or not they want her to be a heel right now in this current moment, they did at one point and it was never going to work because it was always so absurdist, so over the top. The second she's in black and white and speaking with a transatlantic accent, uh, especially being from Australia of all places, like everything is getting into parody. Uh, I mean, even the initial setup, which is like, I'm timeless. And so like the camera is like, you're 28. Uh, like, you know, like the, the idea that like, you know, like the time has passed. Like the whole thing is so meta and goofy that it's not truly sinister. It's it's hard for a Diana Parazzo, even if she had a better character, to push up against this with any efficacy. And you see that with like the other intermediate baby faces that come out and face against Tony Storm. Well, that's like the just Red the Vel- other thing. Well, that's Red Velvet just- never gets attraction. Never gets traction. A lot of these other baby faces don't get traction because the Tony Storm character is a hammy heel. They're a goofy heel. They're a likable heel. It's not the NWO cool heel thing, but it's campy heel. And you don't hate a campy heel. You kind of like you're like, oh, they think they're bad. That's well, kind of cute. You you bring up a good point because the thing that has been confusing the women's division a lot lately is they find someone that they, you know, this, this mid card person that they like, and then they book her for three or four shows in a row or three or four weeks in a row facing both the baby face and the heel in a feud. So you had red velvet who faced both Tony storm and Deanna Peraza. You had queen Amanata who is, I believe faced both as well. It's like, how are those type of <coughs> acts? How are audiences supposed to react to them? Because to, to me, Red Velvet should be a baby face. But instead, she's getting booze because the crowd doesn't know how to react to her. And and, and, she, and there's still a little bit of residual damage from the Jade Cargill stuff. Yes. Red Velvet yeah. has never recovered from the Jade Cargill feud that she didn't win. That I think in hindsight, you can certainly make a case. Is she, you know, is she the World League? No, but of all the people that Cargill faced, Velvet was as strong of a person to beat Cargill as anyone um and two um now she whenever you do this where you have like a third talent go up against a baby face and then the heel you have to think that the talent that's the third wheel ends up worse for wear uh that that they 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 don't have heat as a baby face anymore nor do they have like necessarily villainry as the heel i guess you can sort of it's more easy to protect a heel that you're putting in that sandwich situation but it's a bad idea i I would certainly say it's a really bad idea if you're going to do the sandwich thing to do it with a baby face it seems to me like a baby face can't possibly recover from the heat loss a heel might have a little bit easier of a time where it's like 
the uh the main event heel or whatever squashes the smaller villain kind of like a comic book or whatever you know like here comes the villain and they, yeah. they beat a smaller lesser they beat a b or... villain this is yeah. this guy's gonna be a th- yeah yeah no. and that's why you know i love that kind of story it, that uh, kind of thing in a sandwich thing might make sense but every other like i would never put a baby face wrestler in a sandwich situation i think it's just bad booking i have two other notes for aew if you don't mind one yeah sure hechicero is the best luchador they've ever had in that company Everything he does looks like an actual fight or he's trying to win the match. And I love that guy. That dude, him wrestling with uh, with Danielson and Danielson getting frustrated at, at, at Cesaro having a reversal for everything he could do was so great in that, in that six man. And then one other negative thing. Chris Jericho. Why? Why, why does he need to be the valiant baby face in this match? why did this match go this long? Why was it main event style? <laughs> and why wasn't he selling any weakness from the Kyle Fletcher match the week before? My God, they had him. He he kicked out of a big move and then he gets hit with a screwdriver, defiantly holds up the third, the, the arm on the three count during, during the line, line team and then goes out. Why does he need to have a life and death struggle with Takeshita when Takeshita could be in your upper card main event scene? It, 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 this should have been murder death. And, and I don't know why it wasn't. In 2024, do we still? We don't need weekly Chris Jericho. Do we still think Chris Jericho's a star maker like that now in 24? Like, He'll tell you he, he is. Yeah, I know. But like the whole. He, if you're thinking about this, like with like an NBA team, yes, acquiring Chris Jericho at the beginning and the inception of AEW is the win now guy. Yeah, have him. He he's the guy on your team for one, maybe two seasons at most to try to win that championship. Um, they already did the title run with him. Uh, twice. Yeah. He did a great job to open this this company, even though even if I didn't think it was the right move, I think they should have put it on either Kenny or or Hangman. But yes, he did a great and, job. Yeah, and, yeah. In hindsight, that was a bit of a mistake. But like, yeah, like I would have went somewhere else. But yeah, no. Uh, look, and now they, he's Carmelo they, Anthony. Yeah, they've they've squeezed all the no Carmelo Anthony on the Knicks, like like the yes. late era. Yeah, the yeah. Late no, era that's what Carmelo. I mean. He's he's yeah, a name yeah. guy that they bring yeah. in because he's a name guy. But he's not really going to do a lot for you. But everybody, but everybody around that says, "Oh, Carmelo Anthony's still a star, still can do something for this team." Everybody remembers Melo, right? Yeah, no, and or like bringing in Iverson late uh, might might even yeah. But like yeah, Carmelo Anthony is a fine example. Like like those late guys where whatever pluses they bring can't be overweighted by the minuses that they bring. Yes, and. And part of the problem, like in a Carmelo, Anthony, Allen Iverson sort of way, like, like Russell similar, Westbrook, uh, similar metaphors for all of them. They demand a shitload of playing time. Yes. Um, and, and, and Jericho is definitely one of these guys who he'll never be cool with coming off the bench metaphorically for 10 minutes. He is always going to be insistent that he's still at least a six man. Yes. Uh, that's all I have for AEW. Where do you want to go next? Um, uh, I guess we could talk a little, uh, little WWE. I mean, I, I guess we could talk a little WWE. We've got to talk a little WWE. Um, roster. 
main roster. Uh, yeah, I guess we can circle back. Smackdown. Uh, well, I guess we already did Smackdown too, didn't we? A little bit, but I'm gonna uh, let me uh, let me start with Smackdown though, sure. real quick. Um, one of the more underappreciated acts on this Smackdown roster is Dakota Kai. I tell you why, because she is so versatile, and she is one of. The, if I was gonna teach an acting class about acting and wrestling, it would be Dakota Kai, because she did a Dakota, really good job in this segment. She. She is a dual threat in that she can play menacing real well, and she can play. Uh, how would I put this? Uh, the hurt, the hurt animal. Yeah. The, the the person who's she can play weak, really really well, and she is putting on a because I I think, I think she turns on Bailey in whatever tag team match they do because you'll know she didn't actually hit any of the other members of of Damage Control with that chair. I think she's in on it still. And it's going to be glorious to watch her be the puppet master of this whole thing. But she can do either. And she did well. I mean, her turn in NXT is one of my favorite things, especially the Mauro Ronaldo call with it. <coughs> because remember, it's like, it's like, oh, Mia Yim's injured. We need somebody. I don't know. Oh, you need to buck up and, and do this. And <coughs> she gets out of the cage. Boom. She goes and she kills Tegan Knox. I mean, she was fantastic in that segment with Bailey. Absolutely. And and the and the reveal last Friday of Bailey knowing Japanese and knowing this whole time and then having a pipe ready. Not a stupid baby face. I thought that was a smart move on, on WWE's part to make her look good and main event esque. Yeah, no, I, I I'm with you. I think the uh, costuming of Dakota Kai still belies yes. that she is a heel. Um she did she did a really good job like kind of creating doubt here. Uh, I think yeah, I'm with you. I think she ends up being the puppet master. Yes. That like yeah, like the the whole the plan here is that she's going to be the promo slash because she's understood Japanese this whole time as well. Yes. Yeah. And she's she'll also be the promo a mouthpiece and be able yes. to speak. Yeah. More exactly. For, yeah. Yeah. But um, I also liked uh, that Oscar was constantly looking at Dakota Kai. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Oscar like, like, Oscar's sneaky been really good in this whole thing, even though she's like the third wheel on it uh you know she she's doing weird hesher mom oscar which is kind of awesome and you know with the weird contacts and the clown paint and stuff but no her 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 visuals have been really really good in terms of she's i think she's taking hints from dakota kai the entire time if that's the story they're telling it's awesome if it's not she's still awesome in this thing even though she's taking a backseat to other people in it yeah, no, I uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed this segment. Uh, I enjoyed this segment a lot. I thought that Dakota Kai really Dakota Kai did a really good job here. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, it was, this is a uh, a strong strong piece of business, as Jim Ross might say. Drew McIntyre continues yes. to be he continues Please. to be entertaining as hell. God, I'm he's like, great. God, he he's so good. Uh, I mean, I I sort of I'm. I sort of think it's fait accompli that he ends up winning the elimination chamber here. And we are currently on the heels journey to WrestleMania, but boy, it's going to be a really fun journey. Everything for the CM Punk promo to just like the way he has, he now really understands this character and this like smug. I, I carried this cup, like basically taking the baby face thing of like, I carried this company on my back during covid in the thunderdome and taking it way 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 too far like like imagine if you will like you're, you're working at a job and there's one day where your colleague larry absolutely kills it 
Like, Larry's awesome. On that day, Larry is the hero of the day. And that day was now eight, nine months ago. And for the last six weeks, Larry has become an increasing jerk on a day-in, day-out basis. And Larry knows this subtextually. It keeps pointing back to that one glorious day where Larry was the hero. That is the Drew McIntyre story. It's oh, a good I'll, one. I'll, I'll improve it a little bit here. Larry is the guy who was made vice president for a day after the vice president quit. And then they decided to hire somebody new as the vice president. And that guy is having all the problems of being a vice president and wants sympathy. And Drew's not going to give <laughs> a bit because he went through that for a day or so. Right. And he could have been the vice president, but yeah. instead they, they didn't want him. They didn't want him. They wanted you. Yeah. Uh Oh, that's a darn shame that that office politics are getting to you right now. Gee, maybe if you weren't vice president, it wouldn't happen. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. He's he's. Have, you ever, have you ever thought that there. maybe you're not vice president material? Yeah, that, that, that's yeah, exactly yeah. it. He's the guy undermining him the whole entire time with no sympathy, but but you know he's too good of an employee to fire as well. So he's just you just got to take it the entire time. It, it's it's such a masterful stroke because it's so ties into everything he's done the last two years. And if he doesn't keep bringing up the CM Punk thing, we're doing something wrong. Like even with Punk on the, on the, uh, on the, on any commentary for like the press conference or something, every time Drew comes out, he should say, yeah, I'm living CM Punk's dream right now. Where's he at? You know, that kind of thing. Just, just, uh, uh, just yeah, yeah no, I'll, I'll go one better. I belt him at WrestleMania. I made oh, yeah. Drew. I, yeah. I belt him at WrestleMania. He wins, he wins the title. And now he comes out as your safer world champion and just sort of paves the road for when Phil comes oh, back. He should come out to cult of personality. Personality. Yeah. Do the entire it's clobbering time thing with the title. I mean, he should just be CM Punk on that following Monday. And it would be awesome. I, oh I, yeah, especially because everyone would be thinking he's coming back on one of those big returns. But instead, it's yeah, it's like, and it's Drew debuting a new CM Punk style shirt or whatever. <laughs> well, they did one. They, <laughs> they they couldn't use the actual meme, so they made a new one of him, like uh, in front of the grave of CM Punk's WrestleMania <laughs> dream, which is kind of awesome at the same time. But, you know, WWE can never do anything cool directly. They have to have their own property. Um, that's all I really have for the main roster. I do have something for NXT, though. If, if yeah, yeah we, let's dip on over to NXT here. There are four great tag teams in NXT. There is, uh, there's Braun and, and, and Baron Corbin, who I love. Uh, that opener on Tuesday between uh, Idris Anofe, Malik Blade, and Nathan Frazier and Axiom was friggin' awesome. Those teams are very good. That was a match I almost kind of moved past, and then like it started settling in, and I was like, "Oh, okay, these guys are these guys are doing a little showcase thing." Up up until until Wednesday, yeah, yeah, they they've really put it together recently. Up until Wednesday was my match of the week because because that was just awesome. uh, Those two, and I love tag team wrestling. And then, of course, the uh, the underrated team in 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 NXT, the Bash Brothers. Robert Stone's twin kids who are freaking sociopaths. Both of them. <laughs> this Stone <laughs> Wagner thing is so like this to me is if you're going to do an absurd character, it works so much better 
as an endearing, absurd baby face yes. rather than an absurd heel. Like juxtapose the goofiness of Stone and Wagner versus like the goofiness of like Tony Storm that we were talking about earlier here. It, it's all very goofy. Like like Vaughn Wagner is like Robert Stone's third son now. Yes. It's, it's kind of, yeah, like, like it, and now like dad's going to wrestle. I, I mean, the whole thing is goofy, but it's endearing. And more importantly, it's giving Vaughn Wagner a ton of personality. Yes. Uh, and stuff that they can work with personality wise later on. Um, you know, the kids obviously can serve as a motivating force for him. Um, and they're instantly endearing. Uh, like, you know, like you'll, you'll never, you will never be in doubt who's the baby face and who's the heel when Vaughn Wagner goes up against, you know, whoever it is. Um, he, he's a lovable lunkhead is what he is. I mean, yeah. he's, 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 you know, he's, 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 he's Fezzik from, from the princess bride pretty much, you know, he's, he's dumb and he's big, but he's strong as a moose, you know? And, and that's, that's, that's always a good, and he's got a good heart. And yes. like, like they, they, they've, they've really gotten that over too. I, I mean, like, I, I want to see him lose it. Like, like somebody accidentally bumps one of the kids. Yeah. And he just you know, goes off. Or, or like, yeah, no, like, a, no, I mean, Noam Dar's like a perfect foil, right? You have this like little twerpy heel with his, with his minions, his flying monkeys and Noam Dar can outsmart Von Wagner and all these things. But at one point, one of the metaphor or something does something to upset one of the kids, maybe makes the kid cry and Von Wagner just loses it yeah. uh, and, and annihilates all of them. And that's how he wins the rounds title. Um or, I mean, even better, you know, Josh Briggs is certainly uh, going doing some interesting character work right now. I like him a lot. Yeah, Briggs and, <laughs> Briggs and Wagner's a hoss fight I could be totally here for. And you could take Briggs's aggression to the next level by having him, like, beat up Stone or, you know, like, reduce have, – have him beat up Stone, up like, you know, Apollo Creed losing in Rocky Four. Kids are crying, and Vaughn Wagner, like, vows that he's got to kill Josh Briggs. Josh Briggs smacked around his former tag team partner, and I was like, yeah, you teach that wussy a lesson. <laughs> Stop being a baby and fight for yourself, you jerk. You're in professional wrestling. There's no crying in wrestling. Now, between him and uh, also Dijak's just amazing. I mean, Dijak's <laughs> great. I, I don't, and, and this is a guy who always, who's managed to recover from being T bar and like, yes. you know, yeah, and, and still is having to suffer the T bar chance for it. The, the entire NXT show was far more watchable without Booker T. I mean, I don't, I, I mean, Saxton's not great doing the color role. But Especially, he's a hell of a lot more listenable than Booker T was. I just wouldn't have had him do color heel shtick as heel shtick. Yeah, he was doing uh, yeah. a bit of heel shtick on there. Yeah, I, I would. I think it. There's a way to do color even as a baby face where yes. you have like and for better or for worse, Booker T has actually shown a path on how to do that. Uh, it's not the ideal path. Mind you, uh, but, but oh it, my but, god! <laughs> no, here's the thing though. I like Booker does a lot of bad things, right? But like stuff like just deciding that you irrationally love Trick Williams's theme song. Um, <laughs> I actually think that does do some nice work. It does. It, it's it's like yeah. McAfee when McAfee goes into child mode and he ends up loving Nakamura's theme. Right. Song type of yeah. Thing. It, 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 the fan lives by proxy 
through the uh, baby face color commentators enthusiasm if in, in parentheses if they are cool yeah if they are not cool then it is very much your d- mom and dad telling you they discovered this great new band and they're called nickelback well, let's end it there then uh you can follow me on x at crap game 13 you can follow chris on instagram at d-o-c-t-o-r underscore n-o-v you can just follow the show we update the feed on x at shake them ropes we are part of the voices of wrestling podcasting network all sorts of podcasts for all different sorts of fandoms even if you don't like us you can find something you like over there including the flagship with joe and rich i am also part of fight game media i do a show called the dynamite show where myself and paul fontaine thoroughly deconstruct dynamite about 20 minutes after the show goes off the air on youtube and in your pod catchers the next day you can find that at Fight Game Media, wherever your Fight Game Media is sold. Chris does a lot of things, including he's a mountain man, he's Grizzly Adams, killed a bar when he was only three. Give me your plugs. Oh. <laughs> so, for those of you interested uh, in my mountain existence, you can see all of that up on the Instagram, D-O-C-T-O-R underscore N-O-V. I also teach music lessons. Uh, feel free to contact me there through instagram uh, i'm happy to take on new students definitely accepting them been teaching more of them as of late here uh started getting the masters back on the ep on the first track uh i think the second track came in in the email here today i need to take a listen to it tomorrow so there will be some sort of like music release thing not in the so distant future at this point because i in it now like two-thirds of the ep is actually mastered so i'll be putting it up on spotify and then then you'll have a new thing to not like that I've made. (laughs) And again, thanks to Rob McCarron for joining us as well. Hey, everybody. My name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture, and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Kreich and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast. Trevor Dame from the Through the Years podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks.